impact in the NFL? Who made the best improvement since last season? Who's the top pick that's going to impact this league this year right now? And a little bit of fun either or. Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Show. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, as always, got my co-host, Ryan Tracy, with me and... I know, man, every Wednesday we got our guy John Harris coming through. So we got John Harris recording with us right now. We want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Blue Now. Make your moment sparkle with the jewelry from BlueNow.com. And Locked On NFL Draft listeners get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use promo code LOCKEDON at your checkout. We got a fun show lined up for y'all today, and we're kind of starting with which NFL teams made the biggest improvements throughout this offseason, whether it was via the draft, free agency, trade, all right? I know I have a team in mind, but first I want to swing it to our guy, John Harris, and hear what team he believes had the best offseason. Okay, this is going to sound strange. It's going to sound odd that at any point, we would give the Detroit Lions any sort of credit at all for what they've done in an offseason. However, I felt like Brad Holmes, I don't want to say he mastered the draft, but, you know, I've watched a lot, and obviously, you know, with the Texans, I'm in the department where we, we do the TV show, you know, building the Texans, kind of behind the scenes, and what happened during the draft. And I, was, I happened to be watching the Lions one, and I've watched a bunch of them throughout the league. And this draft struck me that a lot of GMs had an idea of the players they wanted and they liked. And this draft was very much about what those teams liked as opposed to kind of markets for different players, if that made sense. Like the Lions went in and knew they liked these particular players. The Colts went in and knew they liked these particular players. And everybody sort of had a list of players they liked, and it all was different across the board. There never really felt like during the draft there was this consensus. And watching the, the Lions production and, and hearing Brad Holmes' thought process of what they did, I thought was really impressive. But to me, the biggest one, you know, they get Hutchinson, and look, I, I think Hutchinson is going to be fantastic. But then to make the move to go get Jamison Williams, I thought was really interesting for them. I know Jared Goff with Jamison Williams may not be the best uh, marriage. <laughs> But the Lions had to add somebody to Amon Ross St. Brown, who I was not the biggest fan of last offseason, but he really proved down the stretch. He, he was a playmaker. So you take him, who's not a speedster, but then you put him with a speedster and Jamison Williams. I thought the guts to make a move with a team in the division I thought was pretty interesting for Brad Holmes to go up and get Jamison Williams. I thought that was big. And then – Going out and getting a guy like Kirby Joseph in the third round, I thought was awesome. And, you know, the Colts had traded up right in front of the Lions to go get Nick Cross. And the Lions were like, didn't matter. They wanted Kirby Joseph the whole way. I think those three guys, Hutchinson, Williams, and Kirby Joseph, 
are going to step right in and have to make plays for that team. But I just really liked how the Lions put it together and have been putting it together under Brad Holmes as the GM. I don't know that he gets enough credit for what he's doing there in Detroit. And look, I, I know there's a low bar. I get it. It's the Lions. But I feel at some point it's it's got to turn. I feel like Brad Holmes kind of started turning it with the Lions, and I got to give them a little bit of credit. I just think that move to go up and get Jamison was was a pretty strong one. They didn't sell the farm to do it either. So I think going really? up and getting him was a good deal. And you talked about kind of the receiver position and them making moves towards that to kind of help Amon Ra St. Brown, obviously by, you know, drafting James Swan was trading up, giving up the draft capital they did, which wasn't that much to move up that far. But also they, you know, they have DJ Shark, DJ Shark. as yep. well, who is a free agent receiver, uh, Josh Reynolds. I think those are like legit signings. And if you get, you know, what you think you can get out of Jameson Williams, whether it's this year or, you know, even next year, you kind of right. build on that. But you have some legit receivers to be able to complement that guy. So I think from that standpoint, they they did have a, a better uh, offseason than most people would, you know, lead to believe. Uh, Ryan, do you have a team in mind? I mean, hey, let's not forget Aiden Hutchinson too, by the way. I mean, he, he might have a small <laughs> impact, you know. He's pretty solid. <laughs> I mean – I, I, I want to talk about the Denver Broncos because they just kind of capped off their offseason, the one thing that they needed. But I think the team that beat them in, in terms of, of not only free agency and what they did to Michael Pearson and Marcus Williams and, and Morgan Moses, I mean, three names that people know they added to their roster. Baltimore Ravens won every phase of this offseason. They've been right at the top the whole time, and it's hard to argue. I mean, moving away from, from Hollywood Brown, that's an addition by subtraction in my mind because that contract was coming. And you can't really keep investing if it's not going to pay off. And I think clearly that that connection with Lamar is not what you wanted. Linderbaum's a, a great addition. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's going to captain that defense into the next era of the Baltimore Ravens. That's pretty much without a doubt. And then, oh, on top of it, you get what might be the, the most athletic pass rusher who's going to have to take a year off, but you're going to get him next season for you know a bag of chips, basically. So I, I don't think there's any argument that the Ravens had the best offseason from from the end whistle of their last ball game to now. Yeah, well, the team that I have in mind is the LA Chargers. And we're talking about a team that not only I felt like, you know, plugged some gaping holes throughout the draft, but, I mean, when you look at what they did just in the offseason, going out and getting a guy like J.C. Jackson to play cornerback for you opposite of Sante Samuel, uh, you get even having guys like Derwin James come back and, you know, him being healthy, that's definitely going to help that back in there. And he switched his number to three. I don't know. There's just something about oh. going to that single-digit number. We'll see. So he's back to his college number. Uh, you trade for Khalil Mack. I think that was huge to have that book in opposite of uh, Bosa. All right. And then, okay, you go to the draft. You see what they did there. Uh, everyone knew that they needed to address offensive line. They went Zion Johnson. Uh, that was their first pick. And then you look at what they did kind of after that, getting a guy like JT Woods to play safety. That was a speedster, ran in the four threes, a guy that was a big-time playmaker at Baylor. And then Isaiah Spiller to be able to compliment uh, in the backfield there with Austin Eckler. And then uh, Jamari Soller, like going out and getting a guard like that to really help kind of bolster that offensive line where they needed help. I thought they'd go more right tackle at some point. But even then, just the impact moves that they made, again, with J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, uh, and then just getting some guys healthy again. And then what they did uh, in the draft, I thought that was big time. They set themselves up to be big-time players throughout the season. They're competing in the the AFC West, right? It's going to be extremely uh, competitive. 
You know, Ryan just talked about how, you know, Denver Broncos, one of those teams that made big time strides. Well, not just them. You see what the Oakland Raiders did going out, getting guys like Devontae Adams. And, you know, they're kind of loading up there uh, on that offense. And, you know, no more excuses for D Derek Carr as if he needed them. <laughs> and, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, like, they are Kansas City Chiefs. And I feel like they're kind of the forgotten team throughout all of this. But there are some teams really trying to get better in the AFC West. I think nobody got better than the uh, LA Chargers. Now they could just improve their coach's decision-making on when to go for the fourth down. They might be in even better shape. All right. Let me like that uh, flamethrower. Oh, man. You just – you know, it's like in Texas, you know not to kick over. And, I mean, you live in Arkansas, so you know not to kick over a fire ant pile. You just kicked over the football nerd <laughs> fire ant pile, Eric. You just yeah. you just kicked it. There, all those, those nerd fire ants are all over you right now for what you just said about Brandon Staley. Let <laughs> me go for a fourth down. I don't have a problem. I used to tell my team, you know what? Football gods gave me four downs. I'm gonna use them, man. That was well before that. That was my analytics. I used football gods analytics, so I went for it on fourth down. And oh, by the way. I know a certain team in a certain town that's got to face all those AFC West teams. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that, AFC West GM. Because they, <laughs> you're right, they, they did. Those teams did a really good job in, in building those teams. And the Chargers, that's the team I think people. I say people are sleeping on, but it feels like people are sleeping on them in some sense because they want to talk about the Chiefs, they want to talk about the Raiders, they want to talk about you know the Broncos with Russell Wilson, who we'll see in Week Two. And the Chargers, just like, yeah, you know, we made a few moves, we're good. You know, we'll see. But they better be good because the Rams are winning championships. The Chargers, they got to find that market share out in L.A., so they needed to make some moves this offseason for sure. They need you. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on over there in the AFC West. Everybody's expecting that division to be extremely competitive. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the biggest year one impact from first-round picks, uh, who might struggle the most as a first-rounder, and – who was drafted into the best situation? All right, we're going to get into that and more. But first, we want to talk to you a little bit about Blue Now. And at BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at your traditional jeweler. Whether you are ready to pop the question of celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you are looking for, Blue Now has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. So anytime you call, they are ready to go. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and our Locked On NFL Draft listeners get $50 off the purchases of $500 or more. This is podcast exclusive and includes engagement. Use promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On. And also, we should tell you that every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging, and it won't give away exactly what's inside. Shop, sh shop stress-free and find your favorite piece at BlueNile.com. Go there today. We want to thank you for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen of the day and also let you know that the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, it starts June 16th with over 50 insiders and nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. All right, the Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders as well. First pick is June 16th, and you can search the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss out on a pick 
or the action going on over there. First round picks. All right, we're still on this 2022 class, and we want to get to who is going to have the biggest year one impact. All right, I might as well go first because I'm kind of cheating. I'm still in the guy who I already talked to, talked about in the last segment, but I'm going Zion Johnson for biggest year one impact because he's going to a great situation. He was almost kind of like that missing piece on the offensive line. You have an amazing quarterback who, if you do kind of mess up here and there, you know, he's still able to kind of buy time, make plays with his legs. Uh, we know what he can do throwing the ball. But just him coming in there and having that impact of protecting that stuck quarterback with everything else that they have on the offensive line. And if they end up doing what most people think, right, being really good, potentially winning the AFC West, you know, I, I won't believe it until I actually see it. But they're gearing up to try to do that. That's why they went out and got the J.C. Jacksons, Khalil Max, and some of those guys, right? Well, Zion Johnson, the impact of him being good is going to be felt. And not just biggest impact of good. You talked about biggest impact, but also that impact can be felt in a bad way. If he's not good, then there's, there's a lot riding on that. They need him to be good. So I think he's going to have a big impact. I'm assuming it's going to go in a good way, but it's not guaranteed. And that impact is going to be felt one way or another. John, you got a guy for us? You know what? I'm going to cheat on this one because I've got guys, but they're all on the same team. I didn't pick them because of volume, and I, I, I left my Texans out of this. I do think that Stingley and, and Kenyon will have good careers and have a good start to it, hopefully. <laughs> we need them to. I'm going with Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I'm going with Jermaine Johnson, and I'm going with Garrett Wilson, the New York Jets rookie trio taken in the first round. It's cheating a little bit because it's, you know, volume. So, of course, you would think, you know, three rookies hit. It's better than one rookie hitting, you would think. I just feel like those three guys at those three positions for the Jets were absolute. They had to have them. They had to have another playmaker receiver opposite Elijah Moore. Corey Davis just hasn't been that guy. They needed a guy like Sauce Stingley, especially, or Sauce Gardner, after Derek Stingley got taken uh, at number three. They they're, they're, I mean, going into the draft, I looked at their corner listing and I just, I was like, this is what they have. And then the fact that they traded back up into the first and got Jermaine Johnson, who I watched in the senior bowl and fell in love with. I, I really liked him prior to the senior bowl, but I watched the senior bowl up close. That's when I became a really big fan. And I think those three positions, the jets needed to have and the impact of sauce on that defense. Obviously those two can, kind of play off one another, what Jermaine Johnson does with the pass rush is going to affect Ahmad Gardner and that obvious, you know, vice versa. But then Garrett Wilson, how that helps Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick, how he can help alongside Elijah Moore. When you're talking about Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson, I think the Jets might have a little something. I'm going with the Jets trio of rookies in the first round that will impact the most. And not just because of volume, but because of those three being the right picks for the Jets at those particular spots. I like the way you cheat, John. I'm going to steal I that a cheat. little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they become for nothing, you know? <laughs> well, and I got honorable mention for your guy, because I think Stingley not only will give you performance, but I, I think he changes the attitude in that entire secondary. So yep. I think he can affect more than just his personal performance. And that's kind of what I'm going with here too. This is a team that had multiple picks, 
but it's not their top pick that, that I'm going with here. I think our guy Tony Wiggins is going to be upset and probably happy to hear this all at the same time because there has to be a wholesale change in Jacksonville. It has to change from the bottom up, the culture, expectations, everything that goes on. And what you did at pick 27 is get yourself an instant playmaker in Devin Lloyd that can change the entire structure of that organization, at least on the defensive side of the ball. You have your captain on offense. But he's a guy that can pull that all together, rebuild the foundation without tearing the, the entire thing down, and actually help Trayvon Walker reach his potential by being a guy that helps him line up, helps him see the game. Devin Lloyd is, is a captain in the waiting, and he's my favorite, my favorite moniker. I don't use this very often. But truly, on that defense with that group that has to start almost from scratch, he is a force multiplier in that his performance will be solid, but he will help everyone else up their game. And that is the only chance they have to turn Jacksonville around, to have a little bit of improvement on both sides of the ball. And what Doug Peterson is going to do on offense, I think that's really going to help. I like it. There, there are a couple of things that we still haven't touched on yet, so we might have to push off either or for just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, who's going to struggle the most? Who do we anticipate that? Maybe there's just a learning curve at their position. Also, who's in the best situation? Who was drafted to that? We're going to get to that next and much more. But first, we want to talk to you about this new flavor that Built Bar has. All right. And I, I, I'm not a person that loves chocolate. I don't like a whole lot of chocolate. All right. But Bill Bar sent us the new flavor. They got these mud pie bars, and they are great. And don't just take my word for it. I wish my daughter was here right now so she can tell you how she felt about it because not only did she eat the entire protein bar because it doesn't taste like a protein bar, so she loves it, especially with that marshmallow filling in there. She started licking the wrapper, and I'm like, look, look, look you, don't, you don't have to do that. We'll, we'll get some more here, all right? So... Uh, most of the built bars that we have, you know, they are super delicious and they are good for you. And I'm not sure what the mud pie, uh, you know, what they did to make that man, but it is delicious, especially if you are a fan of chocolate. Uh, you got to try the mud pie as soon as possible because just like all these ex exclusive flavors that they typically drop, they do not last very long. We're talking about 150 calories, eight grams of sugar, and Best part about it, man, 16 grams of protein. Mud pie bars and puffs are available at Built.com right now. And, again, they will go very fast. Like all Built bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they are healthy and tasty. All right, and what's great about Built is that, you know, all their bars, they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. And you can eat something that tastes good and is also good for you. Go to build.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at build.com. We, we got the good stuff out the way, the guys that were going to be very impactful and they were going to do well and, you know, everything's all nice and perfect for them. But who do you anticipate to have a little bit more? I don't even want to say they're going to struggle, but they're going to have a little bit more of a learning curve heading into the NFL. We'll start with you, John. Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa offensive tackle, down with the New Orleans Saints. If Jameis Winston is a starter, which I think he's going to be. John, hold, hold on. I got to stop you there. You know Ross isn't going to like to hear that. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hashtag facts. I mean, I'm not going to split hairs, man. I mean, look. You guys might go Derek Stingley and Kenyon Green. I got to sit here and take it so Ross has got to hear this. Kevin yeah. Manning, it's 
here's the thing about Penning. His on-field play and technique doesn't match his athleticism just yet. When it does, then I think we're talking about a guy that is is going to be a solid football player in the NFL. The Saints had to get Penning because there wasn't much left on the offensive tackle chart at that point. Once you got past Aquanu and Neal, it was basically Penning and then you could take a chance on Tyler Smith. Now, Tyler Smith is going to play guard with Dallas. And I think a lot of teams had Tyler Smith at guard. So they're really the drop-off after Penning, which I can't argue with the philosophy because that's what the Texans did with Davis Mills last year. After Davis, the drop-off was Ian Book, again, sorry, and Sam Ellinger. That was it. That was all. So if the Texans didn't take Davis Mills, they had nobody. And it turned out that Davis showed some things as a rookie. I think Trevor will be okay because his athleticism will carry him. But, man, he is going to get it handed to him from some guys with some speed, some twitch off the edge. He really struggled with those guys at the Senior Bowl. I think it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, some growing pains for him out on the edge. There's no, I mean, look, it was Toronto Armstead. It was locked down for a while, right? It's not going to be that way. And if it's Jameis Winston back there, I think Jameis can move a little bit. But the last thing I want is Jameis moving, Jameis moving and then having to make decisions on the run. Penning's going to have a little bit of issue. And if it isn't Penning, it's the guy that went next after him. But I don't want to steal that from anybody. So if we don't mention a certain receiver that went at number 18, <laughs> I'll mention it in just a second because we got to face him twice a year. But we'll get to that in a second. I don't want to steal from anybody. But I say Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa. Yeah, and uh, Trevor Penning, you know, one, one thing that was very clear about him is, uh, you know, I love his attitude. I think the first thing that everyone talks about is that mean streak that he has. Yeah. I do think that sometimes he is a little overly aggressive and it makes him kind of, you know, lack a little bit from the technical standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Which you're definitely going to need at the NFL level. Massive now, I compare deal. it to like the cornerback position, right? A lot of people, you know, they'll talk about cornerbacks like, oh, if, you, if you're going to be pressed, if you're going to be at the line of scrimmage, you need to get your hands on. And you see these cornerbacks that want to be so aggressive and so grabby that they end up lunging and they're out. Of, they're not right. using their proper technique. They're yes. not staying square. Next thing you know, they put themselves in, at a bad disadvantage, right, uh, in that rep. And yes. I think when you watch Trevor Penning, sometimes you can see a little bit of that. You do see some dominating. You see the stuff after the play. And I love that stuff. But definitely sometimes when guys want to take that mindset on, which it, it, it's cool, but it also can kind of backfire fire a yep. little bit with over-aggressiveness. We'll hope for Ross's uh, conditions, health purposes, that does not happen. Uh, Ryan, do you have a guy for us? I do have a guy. Uh, one more comment, though. On that, I, I I agree with you. And one of my old coaches used to put it this way: If you want to show you got a nasty streak to finish, you still got to win the rep first, or you don't get yep. to show it. So yep. that's the way it goes. Uh, for me, it's Quay Walker. Love his athleticism, but he's growing into the linebacker position. He's going to have a lot on his plate right away. So I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to adapt, get to the point where he's comfortable doing everything that he does. I hope that they're able to use him in confidence to come down and rush off the edge from time to time. Some of the things we saw him do that made him a little bit unique. Um, and I think that will help his development. But I think it's going to be a little hit and miss there early. Yeah, uh, well, I kind of want to just give a guy real quick, uh, you know, who I think might have, again, some transition uh, 
struggles, I guess you could say, to the NFL, and that's Trayvon Walker, who's the number one overall pick. You know, what he did at Georgia, it was like, what's that one thing that he does that just just pops off the screen, that just stands out? When you look at a lot of the metrics, you see him not very good as a pass rusher. There were some things against the run as well. We know he's the athletic freak. We know he has the upside, and we know that that's what Trent Baalke is really banking on. But I do think that there's going to be that transition. If they want to make him a true edge rusher, we still don't 100% know what that looks like. Right? We know he has the ability to do it. He has, he's that athletic freak, but can he be that guy on a down-and-down basis? Or do they do other things with him? I think finding his role, there might be a slow start to that. And then maybe, hopefully for him, as the season goes on, it starts to grasp it and understand it. And then by the time it really clicks, it'll probably be the end of the season, but then he knows more of what he has to do heading into the next offseason, and then he can improve from there. And there should be a big year two jump for him. Uh, I do want to ask you guys, who the best situation? So we'll start with you, Ryan. Who has the best, who is drafted into the best situation out of all these first rounders? Of all the first rounders, man, that's a tough one because you can see it back and forth. There's, there's people who are going to depend on guys, and there's other guys that are going to get set up to play really well. I think you got to put Kyle Hamilton in the argument as as he's going to be able to walk into a defense that has some solidity to it that he can then mold, add his his composite to. I think that's probably right up there. But the guy that, that keeps screaming out to me as as a guy that, that can come in and just hit the ground running is Chris Olave. We talked about him yesterday or the day before on our top five situations for the wide receivers specifically. But, I mean, I think – all he's got to do is come in and be himself, and he can get going, and he can make an impact as a rookie right away. I'm thinking Jordan Davis, and I'll keep oh, an eye on Jordan. My thunder. Did I? <laughs> oh man, you're I good mean, because he is thunder. I mean, I think his role and what he does is gonna is gonna fit perfectly for Philadelphia. I think they've got other pieces around him, so he can just step in, and I don't think he has to do anything outside of what he was doing uh, at at Georgia. He just kind of continues that. He does it against NFL-grown men. I think Jordan Davis is in a really good situation. Of course, we had the Texans originally had pick 13. We could have had Jordan Davis, so we'll watch his career as we will Kyle Hamilton uh, because we had, one, we had those two guys kind of in our crosshairs. So we'll watch that. But I think Jordan Davis steps right in and just continues doing what he's doing. He's just going to do it against, uh, you know, grown men as opposed to 17- to 21-year-old smaller men. Yeah, and I think with Jordan Davis, man, is what's around him, and that's the thing that makes it most exciting to me. We'll see Brandon Graham and where he's at coming off of that injury. You know Fletcher Cox is there. They brought him back, uh, got him a little bit on a cheaper contract. But to be able to learn from him, that's already a huge plus for a guy drafted into that situation. Javon Hargrave, you got Derek Barnett. He's back. I mean, you just look at a lot of what they have going on on that defense. Josh Sweat, he's someone that they they, uh, kept around, locked up. Uh, you know, edge rusher. So there's a lot of talent around him, and I think that's going to help him be in a great situation. And a team that wants to play and kind of slow down the game. A team that, you know, they're going to run the ball a ton on offense. They're not going to ask their quarterback to throw the ball around a whole lot. So the defense is going to get a little bit more rest. And for a big body guy like Jordan Davis, you know, that's also going to be something that's beneficial for him. So I think overall, he's just in a great situation for the philosophy of what they want to do to win, as well as what's around him. So uh, exciting stuff right there. We didn't get to either or, but we definitely will on the next episode with John Harris. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, 
you got locked on 49ers or you got locked on Chiefs all right here on the Locked On Network. Keep it locked. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.